say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want it to be Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh, we're back with another great show. (laughs) I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is going to be fantastic. It is going to be fun. Listen, you know, here's the deal. We uh, are always interested in what do millionaires do? What do they think? What are they interested in? What how did they get there? Why did they get there? Here's what we did. Well, I didn't do it. Actually, Mark Gleason, the author, did it. Wrote this book called Undercover Millionaire, and he basically interviewed 18 millionaires from different industries, and he basically got some of the tips and suggestions that they did to get where they are. Now, hold it. These weren't just any millionaires. None of these millionaires inherited the money. They were self-made, right? Meaning they came from nothing. And they became millionaires. How'd they do it? Well, that's what Mark Gleason's going to answer for you. He's going to answer for you how they did it. And and I'm going to just tell you something. First of all, there's just so many uh, tips that, that Mark was able to glean from all these people that you're going to absolutely be blown away. Uh, we, are, we will not possibly get, get through them. Matter of fact, there's one chapter in here where there's like 107 tips. Yes, I'll wait for you to go, what? Yeah. One chapter alone has 107 tips. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're going to have a really great time. You're going to learn so much. And if you were interested in uh, success, uh, I'm going to tell you right now that uh, you're going to learn a lot today. But before we do that, let's do what we do every week, right? Uh, I walk you through your growth and training in the seven areas, four areas, sorry, four areas, seven areas of life, four areas of your life. You know, see, this happens from time to time that I, I get numbers wrong. So here, here's the deal, four areas, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, right? That we're all physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people, right? And then what I want to do is I want to walk you through your growth and training because the truth of the matter is you're either growing or you're dying, right? There's no such thing as staying the same. There's no such thing as staying static, right? You have to be in a constant stage of growth. Matter of fact, uh, one of the things that Mark will tell you uh, that we'll talk about probably today is that, you know, all these millionaires, they keep on learning. They keep on growing. They keep working on themselves because it's an endless journey, right? And I say that about excellence, right? Excellence is an endless journey. You don't just become excellent. You don't stop. Uh, Excellence keeps on going. So we need to do the same thing when we think about our uh, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And this means that you have to train in those areas, so what does that look like? So let's take the physical, right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 being you're outstanding, how would you rate your growth and training? Meaning, physically, how is your exercise regimen? How would you evaluate that? How would you say your eating and your diet is? How would you say drinking enough water, getting enough exercise, making sure that you do the checkups and things that you need to do in terms of you know getting the physical, you know, the doctor's visits, those types of things. How would you rank yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 physically in terms of your growth and training? All right, five is average. Whatever that number is, it is, okay? I don't care if it's a two, okay? It's okay. What we want to do is we want to get to a two to a 2.5. The truth of the matter is in all four of these areas, if you grow and can train and just get even a little baby step in the right direction, that's still a step in the right direction, and that's what we're looking for here, okay? So you got your first number, the physical. Second number is the mental, right? 
mentally what we're looking for in growth and training is we're looking at being an active participant in learning about maybe how to be better in our profession, how to be better in our relationships, how to be better at what you do. Maybe explore something new so that you can expand yourself. You know, becoming an expert by reading more books. Self-education is really a great way of putting it, and, and actually Mark talks about that here in his book. But being self-educated and continually being self-educated is really important. I have a, I have a couple of clients, and you know, they're not necessarily big book readers, right? But they love listening to books. But you know what? Listening to books really doesn't necessarily do it for you because we have a hard time getting from listening to applying. So I have my clients, my coaching clients, what I have them do is I have them listen to books and then I have them take notes on what they feel is important and what they can implement right away. That's active learning. That's taking an active learning approach to uh, helping themselves mentally. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your mental growth? Right? Same scale, one miserable, 10 outstanding. All right, you have two numbers, physically and mentally. Third number is emotional, right? By the way, we're always in emotional training, and the beautiful thing about emotional training is this, is that we can always improve emotionally, right? I can improve, you can improve. Listen, I have my days, right? I still have my days, and I still have my moments where I am not emotionally perfect. I get caught out of the blue. I'm not staying intentional. I'm not staying grounded. I'm not doing the things they need to do. And something comes out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, I, you know, get upset. I react when I should have been under control, right? So when it comes to emotional growth and emotional training, there's two things, two areas. First area is how well are you able to maintain your emotions under stress, pressure, right? Hunger, tired, right? And then the second piece is how well are you able to understand the emotions of others and tap into those, right? Meaning that you're a true active listener, right? The, the, the problem is, is that so often we let um, what happens in our circumstances control how we feel, right? And, and I say this all the time that, you know, the two things that you're in control of are your attitude and your effort, right? All the time you're in control of those. And so when it, so how would you rank yourself on a scale of one to 10, in terms of your emotional growth and, and your emotional um, training in those areas, right? Through, that's your third number. Fourth number is the spiritual, right? And the spiritual number is this, right? We all believe in something. When things go bad, we run to something. And whatever we run to, that is our God. That is our idol. That is the thing that we believe in, right? And because we all have faith in something. So when things go bad, what do you run to, Right? And, you know, sometimes it's yourself, right? The question becomes, how is it working for you, right? What gives you peace in the midst of chaos? What gives you calm, right, in the midst of when your circumstances are just flying all over the place, right? That's the, that's the question you have to ask yourself. And then you have to ask yourself, is it working? And, and then what do you need to do to change it? Maybe it is God. Maybe it's, maybe it's nature. Maybe it's meditation. Whatever it is, is it working? And what do you need to do to change it? And what scale would you give yourself in your spiritual area? of growth, right, and training, right? So you have four numbers. The four numbers are like the legs of the chair. If the legs are uneven, right, sitting in that, it ruins our posture. Same token, if the legs are too low, you know, we sit too low, we can't eat at a table so that we can eat nutritiously to help us fortify all four of those areas. Speaking of someone who's got his four areas together, his name is, in fact, um, Mark Gleason. And um, Mark, uh, Mark, Mark is from uh, Michigan, and I'm sorry, folks, but uh, I just had something weird happen. I just lost 
um, a a document that was supposed to be up here and it just left me. So we're, we're going we're gonna to get you because I had his bio right in front of me and it just went goodbye. So let me, let me pull it back, back up here. Um, so Mark Gleason, let me get back to him here. Mark Gleason, he started out selling at the age of nine. He was going door to door uh, from his selling snakes from his snake farm. Uh, it didn't work out too well from my understanding reading the book. Always working, building, mowing, cleaning, and yes, selling. That's how this entrepreneur's entrepreneur has spent his life during his nearly 40 years as being a real estate professional and developer mark and his wife kim have built and marketed over 75 master planned housing community subdivisions and condominium developments thousands and thousands of real estate sales and now uh new home communities later mark began speaking and authoring uh books uh recently this book called undercover millionaire um he has written mark has also built relationships over his decades of development and sales those relationships have now resulted into this particular book and um uh, and Mark currently resides in Michigan with his three daughters, four granddaughters, and with his wife. Uh, he's still selling, coaching, mentoring, and he loves to help people succeed, and that's what we like to do on the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, and welcome to A New Direction for the First Time, Mark Gleason. Welcome, Mark. Oh, it's good to see you, Jay. Um, thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, by the way, Diana, uh, thanks for joining us on CastBox FM Live. And by the way, you can join us on CastBox FM Live and also... Uh, live on Facebook every Wednesday at uh, around 3, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, uh, we are AM, FM 24-7. We are coast-to-coast uh, with radio stations. Uh, so if you see us, uh, we just want to um, say thank you. And you're listening to us for wherever you're listening to us, thank you so much for listening to us all over uh, the U.S. Uh, so, Mark, uh, let's let's just jump right in here uh, to the book. Um uh, you, you start right off in chapter one, uh, which you entitled the miracle of hard work. And you use a word that everybody should have in their vocabulary called sedulous and, uh, which means <laughs> the dictionary, which means, uh, working hard. And you say that was one of the common traits of everyone that you interviewed of these millionaires is that they worked hard. What does that mean? Work hard to them? Because I think we all have a different view of what working hard is. What did that mean? That was very clear. That was one of the three traits that every one of the 18, what I called self-made, described them as million experts had. And every one of them mentioned this hard work. It means getting in earlier than everybody else, working beyond everybody else, and just working your tail off in between. Hard work is it's not fooling around poking around. These people just got to it. And that is how I would describe the way they describe their hard work. I mean, they love what they do and they do what they love. Don't get me wrong, which is another trait that all of them had. But there was only three traits that they had and that they all described. And that was number one. And everybody wants to know those three traits because first of all, hard work. Nobody looks forward to hard work, Jay. There's nobody comes to me and says, boy, I wish, wish I, you could teach me how to work harder. Everybody thinks they're working hard, but these people describe to me that that's just not the case except for them. So there's your long definition of hard work. You know, I think it's interesting, you know, uh, because you mentioned just briefly that they all loved what they do and I love what I do. And I do not mind spending hours and extra hours working on what I do. 
I, I don't. Mind, as a matter of fact, I don't think it's hard work. I, I because I love it so much. I love the fact that I get to coach. I love to speak. I love to write. I love to do the show um, more than anything. And I and I know I'm. My wife says, "Man, you work hard at that thing." But I don't feel like I'm working hard. I just it's just it's just kind of what I love to do so much that I want to continue to do it and I want to do it all the time and I want to study I want to be better at what I do and so that's why I kind of wonder because it's like you know I've heard you know talking to a number of successful people on this show right they you know they'll talk about hard work but they will say they'll caveat it by saying you know I, I work. I, I know I work my tail off. I know I put in the hours, but I love what I do so much. I I, I want to do that. Did you get that same experience? Almost every one of them. Yeah. And they they were all they were all entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. They they all made it a different way. So no no two of them made their fortunes the same way. Right. And when I described self made, you know, I I put it in the book. They couldn't have inherited it, married into it, won the lotto or had trust funds. They all started with zero and they all still have it. We run into all kinds of people that give you this tale that they have a million dollars on paper. But then when you, but when you get right down to it, they owe three or 4 million. So do they really have a million? No, they don't. And, and they all described to me how good it looks on paper, but what, what is your foundation? And you, you hit on some of those in your, in your opening with your spiritual, emotional, financial, measuring sticks and they all to a certain degree have that and there is a bit that these wealthy people aren't happy people it's nothing could be further from the what i call t-r-u-t-h because they these wealthy people are so happy that they are literally spending their fortunes helping other people people that work for them they all have foundations they all give millions away in charities, which is another one of the really great things, but they, they aren't seen. They're driving the same vehicles you and I are. They're living in the same houses that we are. They're just going about things a different way. And, and they're, you know, some of the other things that they're really good at, Jay, is they say most of the public has gotten hired, hardwired the wrong way. Mm. They're, most of us are really good at spending money and really not good at saving money. And these people are just the opposite. They're really great at saving money. And when they buy something, it's rare. They just don't waste their money on foolish things. I also noticed something that it really kind of tickled my soul is how much they love negotiating a better deal. They (laughs) literally get a high out of it. They get some sort of a buzz off getting a better deal. It isn't even as much as having what they're negotiating or needing what they're buying. They just get this amazing buzz off from it. That's and so it, it's it's something you don't really maybe see. And I'm not saying that you should get a high off that. Because <laughs> that, that may be uh, kind of like what people do that gamble. And none of these people were professional gamblers. They took very, very limited risks, betting mostly on themselves, their best investment. So it was really, there's all kinds of stuff in the book. What is their best investment? Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody wants to hear that. But let's go kind of back to the beginning where you said about this hard work thing, because I, I don't want to miss this on your show. The three three most important characteristics that they all have, that hard work, 
which was chapter one, the miracle. The second thing they have, and I'll describe this as, as I use in my own personal business, I don't discuss with people politics, religion, sex, drugs, money, your spouse or your ego. What about everything else is open in my game, okay? So I don't go to those areas because it turns somebody off. If you love Trump or if you hate Trump, if you're left, if you're right. So I just don't go there. So these people, however, every one of them brought up a, a funny thing to me, which was one of your four hot points you talked about. And they brought it up to me. I didn't bring it up to me. One of their characteristics that they all shared is something I call in the book, um, this belief in a higher power. Now, whatever that is, some called it God, Christianity, religion, you know, prayer, or just a higher power. And they all had that, which blew my mind because I did not bring it up to them. I did not want this to be a religious book and it's not really a religious book, no. but that is a foundational principle that just kind of blew me away from these people that are from California to Florida to Virginia to Boston to Chicago, you know, all points in between. And the toughest thing I had, which in the beginning of the book I describe, I did not set out to write a book. I set out to see if I could get super wealthy, wise people to just sit down with me, first of all, and share an idea or two about success and what's worked for them. And after the long interviews fell together, the idea of a book dropped out. So the third characteristic is this ability to delay gratification until later in life. And that is through extreme discipline and dedication that they have in their own lives and in the way they run their personal lives. So there's the three characteristics. Now, now in the book, you'll see literally on every page, I took things that many, many of them brought to me. And that's how I arrived at kind of the principles of success or the disciplines you must follow or the best business ideas that are, are just kind of breathtaking that because this information, is not shared or taught in schools anywhere. You you can't get this kind of stuff. The, these pe these wealthy people aren't running around putting on seminars to share all of their ideas. So it, was, it took me three years to beat it out of eighteen incredibly successful people. So there you have it on the miracle of hard work. So uh, one of the things, your chapter thirty was faith. By the way, you you had uh, in chapter thirty, which was. Uh, by the way, these, you heard me say chapter 30. I don't want you to think that this book is like, you know, 4 million pages long. It's not. These are very short chapters uh, and uh, that uh, have specific they have specific uh, principles and ideas associated with them. And so um, faith happens to be a chapter that he talks about. And you did say that, you know, that, you know, they described it as that there was something, you know, bigger than themselves that... Uh, they had confidence in that that things would work out in a particular way, and I thought that was interesting. And you did mention, you know, you did mention delayed gratification over and over and over and over again in the book. That this was just one feature uh, that they did share on a regular basis of being able to um, go. I don't have to have this now. I can wait later on down the road, and then you know, really using this money to reinvest back into themselves and back into their own businesses. And I found that, you know, I found that refreshing and interesting. And you were right. Uh, you know what? We do not teach this, these fundamental principles uh, in schools. Uh, and uh, people who are doing these webinars generally aren't nearly as successful as they want us to believe. Because generally, uh, the most successful people don't have time to put on a webinar is what, what we there find. You go. 
And uh, so uh, I did find that really, really interesting that you did that. You know, real quickly here, um, one of the things you talk about in Chapter 6 is, and it's entitled The Parts Most of Us Never See, is that it also sounded like so many of them were really into making sure they were givers. Yes, they are. They're all, but they don't let you know it, and they keep that very private. Mm. I mean, one of the one of the fellows in the books gave an entire giant building away to a charity foundation that he just had such faith in that he took this building and and, and donated it to them, and the and the world really doesn't know that happened. So you know, tens of thousands of dollars that is given away, and this this was kind of the, that was very difficult to get that out of these people because. You know, they just don't go around making that, you know, like they're, they don't put it on billboards. And so, right. you know, the book for me, what I was trying to get way at the very beginning in my concept of this was like, was like a roadmap or a playbook, like the coach's playbook of how we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. How are we going to do that? Well, here's our plays. Here's what we're going to, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to share it with you. And that's what the book turned out to be. Because I was looking for like similarities, commonalities, goals, their habits, their traits, their patterns, their methods. So build this app that if you read this book and used it, and, and it's not for, it's probably just for young people, you know, like 17 to 80, the young people around the world. So the book, the book is for everybody. And there's a group of us that are using these principles that are having amazing results because of what I labeled save economics. I call these people economizers. They just, they just knew how to get rid of stuff they didn't need and take that money and invest it in things that would, would change things for people. So these people were super problem solvers too. And there's, there's a coach here locally that I really respect, and he he has a saying he calls STB, solve the problem. So when people bring problems to these people, these million experts, they always are solving the problem instead of, you know, don't bring me solutions or situations without bringing me a solution. Right. And so these people were, they were, it was just it was so rich, and that's maybe the wrong word, but they, it was just so refreshing to have these people pour their hearts up about this information, about how they did it. And, and they all made their fortunes a different way. And and so they they shared with me the paths that, that were so common sense. His name is Mark Gleason. The book is entitled Undercover Millionaire. 18 Self-Made Million. Air experts share their success secrets, and you're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, everybody, listen, uh, Epic Physical Therapy, one of my sponsors, absolutely fabulous. They're my physical therapist. They're not just my physical therapist. As a matter of fact, you know what? Professional athletes from all over the world use Epic Physical Therapy right here in the Research Triangle Park. And everybody does, really. I mean, whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery, whether you're suffering, suffering everyday aches and pains, maybe... You're having some difficulty performing the normal activities of everyday living. Look, here's the deal. If you're just looking to improve and feel and move better, 
The elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. So with their experience in rehabbing young athletes to professional athletes, they really do understand what it takes and what is needed in order to treat your entire body as a functional whole, not just the symptoms or the injury. So when you're ready for your epic relief, when you're ready for your epic recovery, when you're ready for your epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, for over 35 years, they have been helping people all over the world sell and buy their home. And how have they stay? How have they been able to stay at the top of the game for over 35 years? Really, really simple. Create and maintain relationships and be authentic in every one of them. That's how they do it. And, you know, one of the things that her clients have said for over 35 years, all of them say it. You know what they say? They say, you know what? She is the... She is absolutely the legend of customer service. So listen, you know, when relationships are the most important thing that you focus on, it's easy to become successful, isn't it? So why not talk to the folks at Linda Crafted Team Realtors? They, they really are the relationship maker, the relationship maintainer. And you know what? You're going to love them. I promise you will. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction, and we are with author Mark Gleason and his book, Undercover Millionaire. 18 self-made million experts share their secrets to success, and uh, we have been digging in. We've talked about some uh, really cool, neat things that they all share. I want to go to Chapter 5 here, Mark. Uh, rules. Um, you call these rules that millionaires follow. You have, you have basically a short list of things that you start off with, and then you have the following rules. So I want to I want to go to the short list, and then I'm going to go to the rules. The short list that you have on here is that never promise too much. There is no woe is me or poor me. Turn off the lights or shut the door. <laughs> Stop telling people what to do. Let's start there on the short list, all right? So um, when you hear these phrases, never promise too much, there's no woe is me or poor me, turn off the lights or shut the door, stop telling people what to do. What did you gain and glean from these little four short list sayings? Well, it's kind of the, the positive attitude that, that all of these people had was, it was so infectious that you just wanted to, you wanted to get more from them and the time that you spend with them you know, a simple, simple things like that, turn off the light when you leave the room. It's kind of like mom's mottos, if you will. These types of things that they lived by, they, they were never, oh, if this would have gone this way, or boy, I sure could have gotten more if I would have done that. They, they just kind of, they, I think they're just building into the future something that's going to happen good for them by the way they live their lives currently jay it's, it's just they they were so positive that they i not i didn't find any of them feeding me a line of baloney they they weren't negative and and that's just kind of their policies all right so then let's talk about the three rules that they gave you all right so the, here's the following rules that they gave you rule number one successful people keep it simple let's expand on that every one of them talked about getting serious sooner and making it simple, simplifying their life. Most of them talked about never doing more than one thing at a time. One, a couple of them said they would have two things going. One of the guys in the book is a humongous real estate developer, 
and he never takes on more than two major projects at a time. And these are major projects. So he has good people around him and he, and he has, but he has very few people keeping it really simple. And he wants people around him that do whatever they do, they do better than he could possibly do. And that's how they keep, that's the type of things they do to keep it simple, Jay. All right. Rule number two, you say, Rule number two is they are specialists at doing great things without very many people truly know what they're doing. That goes right back. That goes back to the giving thing. Okay. They're, they're, they're opening doors for people around that you wouldn't even know the doors are there, providing opportunities for people that work for them. They talk about their giving back isn't so much. Most of them have pretty pretty substantial people that work for them and they're building lives for those people as well so they can enjoy seeing them enjoy life. They're they're sharing their wealth and their wisdom with other people. Okay, rule number three, um, they are learners and they all specialize in saving and that is why they had what they had. There it is right there. It's self-education of a lifetime which goes back to the, all the principles later on in the book that talk about, you know, leaders are readers. These people are voraciously learning new things. Probably half of them in the book never graduated high school, mm. choosing instead to get into learning and get in. The, the schools kind of gave up on them, said that they, they couldn't learn. One of the, one of the guys, his parents you know, he, he told me he never graduated any grade and I think he quit school or the teachers kind of ran him out at ninth grade because he never passed any grade. The teachers just moved him along and his mom and dad wouldn't give up on him. Now this guy's got hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and he blows me away that he took the time to share with me some things. And his dad had a little, a little um, written out thing that he gave his son and his he carried it in his wallet for 40 years. And he said, the one thing that is common of all successful individuals is an untiring drive and determination to succeed. So regardless of the level of education that you may be able to achieve, give life all you have and true success will be yours. So here's a guy that was labeled impossible to teach. He couldn't learn. And he went out and he shared with me, and so many of his principles are in the book, that shows how someone that maybe society kind of gave up on, and he just opens the door and and gave us the, you know, the combo to the vault with this book, Jay. It's right there. You follow along with this stuff, this save economics, learn to save more than you make, if that's possible, because you're compounding every little bit that you've saved before from your paycheck. One of the guys in the book li lived for 25 years on 50% of his paycheck, choosing to invest the other 50%. Another guy talks about save $5. Every time $5 comes through your hand, put it in a jar in a couple of years, you'll have $50,000. You can't you know, save a dime out of every dollar. There were just ideas that they threw into the book at me that I wanted to get to that saving because so much of the book is around learning how to save money. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that you do, you know, you do talk about, you know, all the time in this book, I mean, regularly, I mean, it comes up in more than one chapter. As a matter of fact, I think it comes up in more than 10 chapters is this idea that, you know, save, 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 save. And, uh, I think that's, you know, I, I mean, first of all, it's just a great principle, 
uh, in general to save. I don't think that people really understand, though, the importance of saving. Uh, we live in such a spend it now um, society, right? Or, you know, spend what you don't have, right? Because we're so worried about what do people think or, you know, how we'll be judged or, you know, I want to keep up with the, I mean, do we dare say it? Can we say keeping up with the Joneses? I guess we still can say that, um, even though that term's been around for yes, you can. Uh, 50 or 60 years. Uh, but the truth of the matter is we, you know, you know, how many people have I see who are, um, you know, house poor, right? They got a, got this house, but there's nothing in it. Or they've got this great car, but there's no, right? That's all they have, right? And, you know, you know, they talked about things. Listen, my wife and I are firm believers that you don't buy new cars. Just being honest with you. We just, you know, we just don't believe in it. And um, when, we, when we figured it out, you know, over the course of time, it just saved us so much more money to not buy a new car. And, um you know, and I remember, you know, my dad not doing that. He refused to buy a used car, a vehicle. But today, you know, we got so much more information on how these vehicles are treated. There's just a lot of little things that we can do um, that I, I think that these people are demonstrating that you do, um, and, you know, if you want to be a financial success. Yeah, there and, and there's so many other things that you hit on that the book will take you to because ultimately – almost on the first or second page of the book, where I'm trying to take you is to the end is happiness. So you follow these principles and it's going to build not only wealth, not only health, but you're going to bring yourself to happiness. And that's one thing I found about all these people, how happy they were. And I, and it was very refreshing to be that way. You know, they, they also talked about all the things that they see their friends and relatives maybe doing wrong and they're and they they never talked about that but they said what they would suggest is that all the stuff you don't need get rid of it figure out right now what you don't need and get rid of it and 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 get on to something invest in something with that money that is going to make long-term success for you and ultimately bring you more happiness at least it has for them so it's hard to it's hard to say that everything that they say is is, you know, works, but I I would rather take advice from people that have proven it and stood the test of time, been through incredible ups and downs and ups and downs in the economy. You know, the the book, I think they were, the ages of the the million experts are 33 to 77. So in everything in between, I think there were 11 men and seven women. And it was just, it was my pleasure to be able to get to know those people and be able to have what I call a dirty dozen. You all need to have that because your associations will determine how far you're going to go in any organization. And I, I, I like to think I came up with a phrase that your income will be in direct proportion to the quality of the questions that you ask in life. So it's very similar to the, to the five people you spend the majority of your time with your income, they say is going to be within 10% of that average people. So be very careful who you spend your time with. I'm not saying don't have friends, just saying that knowing how, who these people spent, who their close associates were, had a direct reflection on how much income that they were able to get and how much, you know, wealth they were able to hang on to. You know, this is interesting because chapter 18, you entitled associations and uh, be careful who you call your friends. Because I think this is really, really important. Um, 
you know, bad company corrupts good character. People don't want to hear that. People don't want to believe that. People want to believe that they're stronger than that. People want to believe that they could they could be with anybody and that they're and hang around them the most. But these people were really really careful. It wasn't you know when I read this right. I we, I know that it's true. But the the truth of the matter is sometimes even your family, uh, for some of these people, they had to get away from. And uh, the other thing was that. Uh, you know, there were some rules about the people that they hung around with. They, they didn't, they didn't hang around negative people. Right. One of the things, right. Um, did these, they had questions about the people they're going to hang out with. Are they improving? Here's one of the questions. Do these people I spend my time with or organizations I belong to improve me or my world? That's a great question. Do these people or organizations provide opportunities or friendships that build the type of relationships I aspire to have or to belong to? Are these associates and associations working towards my common interests and goals? And, you know, you just said previously here, you know, if it's not, you know, you look at the stuff that you have, and if it's not working, you need to get rid of it. This falls, that falls directly in line with the people that they're hanging around with. If the, yes. if it, it seems to me that if these people are not getting the types of things that they need and there's not some sort of a equal uh, share they just get rid of it and they move move rid of those people and move on that sounds cold and callous but the truth is growth requires if growth in association requires both people working together to enhance each other's lives so this association thing is a big deal if you want to be successful you you, you had it right on the head the in sales i i have to get people to say yes but in wealth building you have to be able to say no and so many times those family and close associates are can be a drain on you. And I know that probably sounds a little hurtful, but you have to be able to say no and you have to, I don't, I don't like to put it like disassociate, but you have to be able to kind of move yourself into a different area with your friendships if you're going to be able to kind of get away or break out of those old habits and patterns that Ooh, are, 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 are what cause us to fall into, you know, problems. There's, there's a, one of the quotes in the book from one of the million experts came from a guy by the name of Ray Zukowski. And I think he was 94 and I think he's still alive. He says, don't drink or chew or hang around with those who do. <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm not saying on with chewing. I'm just saying he found these patterns and he became a very wealthy person and, so you you live to you know kind of we're all given the same tools it's just how are you going to use those tools and some of those tools jay are you know making those hard decisions of who you're going to associate yourself with and around and and i my guess is you probably have already figured that out because of some of the people i've watched you interview they've probably told you some of the same stuff that i'm sharing with you well yeah i mean if it's it's it you know you know, I don't want it. To, I don't want us to sound like you know we're elitist or anything like that because certainly you know, you know I have had some you know this show has had amazing people on the show and and they're not elitist by any means. They're willing to help anybody who they want to help. But I could tell you that the people that they spend their most intimate time with, right, their direct time with, they're people like themselves, you know, and. You know, I think it's one of those things when people go, gosh, you know, how do I improve my situation? Well, you know, I got to believe, I got to be honest with you. And I, and I think that these millionaires say the same thing. 
why don't you check out who you're living with? You know, who do you spend your most time with? And are they really improving you? Are they really encouraging you to be better than you are? Are they really making you a better person? And by the same token, are you able to talk into their lives to make them better? Or, you know, is it one of those things where like, you know, are, is it just nothing but a gossip fest? Is it all drama? Is it negativity? I think, you know, I think what people fail to understand is these conversations that are leading to nowhere are helping you get nowhere with these people. And I, and, and I think that's the big thing that, you know, kind of pulls forth from this book in this particular area of it. Let's move on to another quick area real quick, and that's self-education. <clears throat> and that's chapter 19, self-education. It's always under construction. Listen, I read every book that is on the show. I love learning. It's one of my fundamental, uh, one of the fundamental things I love to do. But talk about self-education for these folks. Sure. Um, it was all kind of built around what one of them described to me as their policies of productivity, self-education. It's always under construction. That means themselves, their businesses, their lives, their families, they're constantly learning. They're constantly trying new things that improves them. Um, they, they stick to that as if it's the very air that they breathe. Um, these people, they, they, they look at it almost like self-education is kind of like having a passion for profit. If you don't, it, a certain, there comes a certain time in your life. If you don't have a profit, you're a nonprofit. So, what are what are those what are those areas in your life that you can get better at? Well, whatever area or whatever business you're in or whatever um, boards you're on, whatever you can, we can all improve on those things, Jay. And so there's there's misconceptions that you know when you get to the top of your field, you stop learning. Well, that's completely wrong. If you look at the greatest athletes, they have coaches. They're constantly coaching them. I'm not so sure something like a program like this wouldn't be for coaches that coach coaches. Uh -huh. So you're always under construction. And that's that's the kind of subphrase of self-education. You're we, always trying to improve. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of uh, the last couple of books have said that I've interviewed here on the show have said something exactly very similar. Uh, when I talk to uh, <clears throat> the guy who spent the last 20 years with um, Coach oh, John Wooden, Wooden, Coach John Wooden, uh, Lynn Guerin, and then uh, Sean Ryan, who wrote uh, Get in Gear, who is on the show, you know, one of the things that they talked about is is it not interesting that in sports, uh, your greatest athletes practice, 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 and then they practice some more. But ask somebody in business how much time they spend practicing. They, it's all game time with them. They don't spend the time practicing. Matter of fact, if you look up practice in business, you will never see anything about how you practice and learn and grow. And it's a, it's a fundamental trait of so many of these really successful people is that they, they practice in their mind. They practice what they're going to say. They review what they're going to do. They're constantly in this learning. And then, when they go to game time, game time is they, it's almost like they review the film, what went right, what went wrong, right? I, and I, I say this all the time with my coaching clients too as well, is 
all right, you know, you had this big sale. What went right? What went wrong? Right? What What is the practice? And then what can you do in between now and your next sale that you can get uh, better? Right? And what can you read? What can you learn? What can you, you know, I talk about that, you know, the first, you know, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual as well. What do you need to do uh, to be better and grow in that area? And I don't know that people, I don't think people really understand the power of, of self-education, uh, honestly, and putting in the practice and the work before you actually get onto the show. So yeah, in my own, in my own practice, um, many, many times over the years, I run a little tape recorder in my pocket when I'm with the client and I tape record everything I say. And when I, when the meetings are over, successful, not successful, I go back and critique everything that was said. I always try to have my clients say twice as much as I say. I try to get my clients to open up and talk to me and tell me what's really important to them. And I have to do that by using two of these and one of these in proportion. And so when I listen to my tape recorder, I also try to have nothing said about me and it's always about them. And whenever I follow those proportions, I have a successful life. If I make my life about their life, my clients will follow me around the world. They'll they'll allow me to do investing for them. They will let me take control when I really listen to what they are, what's important to them. And so I'm that's how I practice my entire career is I tape record what I'm saying with and it might be like game film, watch going back and critiquing what we did right, what we did wrong. And I, I don't think very many really good business leaders have have come to that conclusion. And it's a really, really tough thing to do because it's hard to listen to yourself, talk about yourself or talk about, you know, in sales, our favorite topic is ourself. And it's the absolute worst topic that you should ever be talking about. It's always about the other person. So that's what was so great. These people, I had to work really hard for these people in the book to get out of them what they what was successful because they have already figured out they were asking me about what was successful that I was doing and they and I felt so good they recognized my success and here's these multi multi-millionaires picking my brain going right back to that self-education thing they're trying ever they could get out of me and and what that was just it was a great thing it was a great thing that I learned about successful people is they aren't really telling you about what's successful. They're trying to get more out of you that can help them. His name is Mark Gleason. The book is entitled Undercover Millionaire. 18 self-made million experts share their success secrets. You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, everyone. Epic Physical Therapy Facility, and by the way, there's more than one, offers the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment, including the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, the Game Ready, which I love so much, just to name a few. Look, they are trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, including blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping, just to name a few. Listen, you ready for your epic relief? You ready for your epic recovery? You ready for your epic results? Whether you're an everyday Joe or Jane or whether you're a professional athlete, they all go to Epic Physical Therapy. You can learn more by going to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, nobody else. Independently owned and operated, doesn't belong to a national organization. It's just uh, She is just her own, and she's been at the top of the game in the Research Triangle Park for 30 
25 years. Why? Because of her relationships that she has made with people. Even her first client from 1985 comes to see her still today. And you know why? Because she is known as a legend of customer service when it comes to real estate. So listen, when it comes to your real estate needs, whether that's buying or selling home, no place else to start, no matter where you live in the world. Start with Linda Craft and team. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction, and we are with Mark Gleason in his book, Undercover Millionaire. And we're kind of talking about some of the things that he gleaned from this book, and, and um, you know, and we're kind of chatting through them. And um, are you having a good time? Awesome time. You are you're fabulous, Jay. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking for that, Mark. But thank you uh, very much. I wasn't looking for that uh, at all. But I appreciate that. I'm going to jump over here to um, chapter 27. You have a quote on page 84. You say successful people are follow through people. They get things done. Uh, let's talk about follow through because I think this is, uh, you know, there's two things you're in, you're in real estate sales too. I know as well. And I don't know how many people you have working for you, but if you have, uh, salespeople working under you, you know, one of the biggest struggles that I think a lot of salespeople have is follow up and follow through, right? This was, this was actually a big deal for these folks, wasn't it? It was huge in sales. That's the number one thing is following through. You get a you get a lead and you need to follow through and and many salespeople drop the ball and they don't they don't follow through and in the book I describe it as kind of like in golf your follow through <laughs> <laughs> funny funny but I don't know one of the one of the ways of follow through that one of the builders in the book the guy's a large large home builder he described. Everything he does, everything he builds, he builds it as if he's going to own it forever because when the music stops, he does. Mm. And he's been through so many peaks and valleys that he follows through. So when he builds a home that he's going to sell, if the market takes a turn, he wants to have done a really fine job on every product that he builds because, as he says, if the economy drops, he will own that product. And so that's how a lot of these people described how they ran their businesses and follow through. They just they just did a, did the work as if they wanted to be proud of the final end product, and that's how they follow through. Let's move on to interpersonal skills, chapter thirty nine, uh, because I think we underestimate these. You said all the millionaires had what was come to be what you called what, and I think other people call too the likability factor. They were charismatic, successful personalities. They were larger than life. And you and you also say success starts with people skills um, as well as technical skills. Um, and then you ask a bunch of questions. Talk to us about the importance of interpersonal skills and the millionaires. Yeah, they they all kind of described how they they thought of themselves as kind of introverts. That's how they viewed themselves for years. But after you get to talk to them, you'd swear that they were teaching, you know, Dale Carnegie classes or they were, <laughs> they were, they were teaching public speaking classes because they were so well versed and, and, and being able to communicate effectively and really being able to come out and whatever they said, you could really understand 
the message that they were trying to get across. And that goes back to the, I asked them all the exact same 40 questions, you know, about success and failure. And then I recorded every one of the interviews and found how similar their answers were that I thought at one point they all got together and said, let's tell them this, even though none of them really knew each other and they didn't know that I was doing this. So it was impossible they could do that, but it kind of set me down. Like, how could they, how could they tell me this in such a dynamic way that they almost told me the same thing? And they, the way they, the way that they just communicated was, was so much, so similar. So they, they had a way of, of just kind of warming you up and, but yet hitting you right between the eyes and they weren't afraid to tell you like it was. And you may not like what you heard, but that's how they told it. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that you, you didn't use this word, but one of the things after reading, you know, all of the 18 people that you described here, um, one of the things that I felt like you were really getting at was the word authenticity, that they were being as authentic as they actually were. They were very comfortable in their own skin and they were extraordinarily authentic with who they were. And I think there, I think that, even though it's not a chapter in your book, but I think it is an important trait that they are very comfortable in their skin, right? Oh, very. Yeah. 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 I think so too. I'm going to hit one last chapter here, chapter 50, the habits habit. I think one of the things that we don't recognize when it comes to success, uh, and yet you probably saw it, is that their habits <laughs> are much different than the habits of those people who aren't successful. Uh, and, and one of the things that starts off with stop thinking negatively. They just, it, they have this habit of not, they have this habit of thinking positively, not negatively. Um, reading is a habit for them. Believing in possibilities is a habit with them. Disassociating with people who allow lifestyles, uh, have particular lifestyles, they, they, that's a habit. They don't compare themselves with others. others. They eat healthier and monitor their progress. They stop wasting money and things. And the list goes on and on and on. Talk to us about the habits and, and the importance of habits. Well, one of the, one of the million experts owns 10 um, exercise facilities, gyms, and he is the youngest person in the book. And he stressed so, so much without your health, you're broke. And he said that, you know, these, we all have rotten habits and we all have good habits. And so he tried to break them down into two and focus on your good habits a little bit more than your bad habits, but don't ignore those bad habits. Mm-hmm. And and I saw a lot of the traits amongst the older group of million experts and how and how regimented they were to their their daily habit, the way the time they get up, what they do first thing in the morning, what they do before lunch what they do after lunch, what they do before dinner, after dinner, their sleep habit, their sleep patterns, these habits that were just ingrained. And, and I, I almost have to say that must be part of the magic of why they're so successful that they have found these success habits that they have honed in on and they just don't get very far off and they don't allow things to interrupt those, those habits. I call it the habits habit mm. in the book. And that is really the answer, I think. Now, you, you, you can only, we can all only look in our own mirror because I can't tell you, Jay, what your habits are that are sure. good or bad. I don't know enough about you. Sure. So sure. when you get the mirror out and 
And if I'm if I'm going to do some public speaking, I will stand for hours in front of a mirror working on my presentation, practicing that presentation so that when I come off, I've got to realize that you 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 can't tell other people what to do if you're also doing something wrong. It, it just doesn't work. And that was that's why the message in this book is so real. It's from real people that really have the right their head on straight about the habits that they have. Let's you know what we we've been on an hour <laughs> and it's gone really fast. Uh, so uh, the show, it, by the way, uh, you've been great. Um, thank you. Thank you, you. You've been great. Uh, so the show's called a new direction. We try to help people find a new direction and success in leadership. And certainly this book is a success book. So based on your, if you could leave uh, quickly, if you could leave the listeners with something that could help them find a new direction when it comes to being successful and growth in terms of from the millionaires, what would you leave them with? A couple things. Um, make, just make sure you don't live beyond your means and whatever process that you have, you can improve on. And if you can stick to those things, don't live beyond your means and keep improving on every process you have. I think there's anybody can, can work their way out of anything or rise to a new level above where they maybe are. Maybe your listeners are happy with where they are, but the minute you stop going forward, you're automatically going backwards. That's awesome. His name is Mark Leeson. The book's entitled Undercover Millionaire. Uh, 18 self-made million experts share their success secrets. Folks, you know what? That's the show. You know what? Here's the deal. You are control of two things at all times in your life, your attitude and your effort. So make sure that you give your very best, regardless of what the circumstances are. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest, another great book. It's going to be another great show. And you know what I say to you? Shalom, everyone. Dreams will take you places you have never